Okay, there are two copies here. One that's been uploaded recently is the Medjish Rabbah in Bamidbar. Be part of our Hakdama to Shimshin, which will be up to hopefully today. That's Yubsukim. And then there's the other sheet from Abchaim on Yani Tamatera, which hopefully we'll finish up as well. And hopefully there'll be a sheer, if not this coming Sunday, the one after, but just keep your eyes open for the emails. Let's go to Perik Gidbeis Pasuk Yud. We saw last time the Machlekes who Ifsen was, was he Bayez, was he not? How does it fit in? Is the beginning of Shaftim, the end of Shaftim? The Yamas Ifsen we cover Beis Lochem. The Yishpat Acharav is Yisrael Elon Hazaluni. The Yishpat is Yisrael Eser Shanim. The Yamas Elon Hazaluni we cover by Elon Be'eretz Zvulun. No news here is indeed good news. The Kufa of this particular Shefit, obviously he was a tzaddik, a tamachacham, and there was nothing bad to report in terms of any possible mistakes. Yud Gimel, V'yishbet Achor of Yisrael, Avdan ben Hillel, Apirasayni. To describe his shlita and the Asiyat Tashmai he had, again, all good, you know, Perak Yud Bez Pasigya Dalid. The VMR out? No. You have a copy? We'll grab a few. This copy, if you uh, are listening online, was uploaded recently. That's the one we're gonna get to either this time or next time. And the Archasyesher should be in front of you from last time. Again, Pasuk Yud Gimel. Yish Badachar Yisrael Abdan Ben Hillel Berasayne Vihila Arbaim Banim Ishleishim Bnei Banim. Forty sons, thirty grandsons, probably went on to have more, but at this point of his life, Yud Beis Yud Dalad. You might wonder why that's a big thing. The answer is it's not that they had their own personal cars. I hear my young uh, mules, young donkeys. It's the fact that his kufa being a shefet was with the help of the 70 children and grandchildren, and they were wealthy and powerful enough to have the time to be able to ride these ayarim and go to the countryside and check up on what is going on all over the country and administer. You need people who are willing to do that, who are able to do that, who are uh, capable, honest uh, administrators and dayanim and send them around. So you have one lone shayfet if he has 70 helpers. That's a lot of people. And the administration is set up in a way where they're going around. Remember, there's lack of uh, modern communications. 
that's an important thing, and it helped the Shlita to keep everybody behaving and able to ask their Shailas and get their Hadrocha and the like. This is an interesting fact in geography that here we have a Shafet and everything seems to be going correctly and he's buried in a city they just give you a Maramakam Bahar Maleki the Amalekim were nomads so besides being where they usually were somewhere nearby apparently they took over some hilltops in various other places so I was looking to see if anybody has a diak, some connotation that there's something negative here about his kufa being a shefet and good news is there isn't, happens to be where it was I'm sure there's something way beneath the surface but the Pashup Shadra here is that Har Maleki is not surprising it was called Har Maleki because enough of them lived there that they named it such at this point they weren't starting up never good to have around it shows you there was still Goyim living in the areas which means they weren't fully Mekayim Amalekim in terms of the actual application it's not an exact fit because it really goes on Zionumas with that said to have them living around the purpose of is that they're a bad influence Amalekim by definition were a bad influence and Mamela more than bad influence apparently things were going well during the Tukufa of Abdan ben Hillel and the previous Shefet and the previous Shefet and things were calm but in no means anywhere near finished and that's going to be very pronounced in the next parak as we begin the Tukufa of Shimshin we're going to have an overview and a hakdama, and then a hakdama on the overview. As I mentioned, uh, Shimshin and the Pelagish Begiva Pesel Micha, the second half of Sefer Sheftim, is going to take a lot of iyun and work and understanding, which hopefully we will do. And we already had a mix of the hakdama yesterday. If you weren't here, I'm going to go over some of it. But the first thing before we get to Shimshin himself and Manayach, the background here is the enemy that we met, we're trying to describe, if you remember, a year ago when we started Shaftim, the Gaza Strip, as it's called today, is a strip of land by the coast. It's pretty clear that that's part of the greater Eretz Yisrael in terms of what they're supposed to conquer. It's also very clear that they didn't conquer it yet. And it's not the first time in the next period we're going to meet the Plishtim, but we're going to meet them much closer up now, unfortunately. And we're going to see a lot of them from now. And it doesn't stop. You start Shmuel Aleph, which is uh, recorded somewhere. We meet them in a battle, and we meet them with Shaul and Yenison. Okay, there was an ace. We meet them with Ailey, and it wasn't an ace, and it was a disaster and they lost the Aaron. It's the same Plishtim. You wonder what are they doing here? They have five major cities in the Gaza Strip and that's pretty close. You drive there today. Don't drive there. Just, just 
drive as close as you can get. It's not that far from the center of the country. So there is quite a debate in the Mepharshim and Echernim who they were and why they were still there is the more important Shaila because you're supposed to conquer the country. There's a chiv there's a chiv to conquer the country. Conquering the country, the quicker it is, the better it is, the slower it is, the more of a chance they're going to infiltrate both from a military point of view and from a Rukhniyistika point of view, which is really why they shouldn't be there. And they treat it as two independent questions. The technically goes on the Zion Umas. The Plishtim weren't necessarily... It's a Shiloh who the Plishtim were over here. Were they the B'nai Banim of Avimelech? In which case, they should be here if Avram Avina made a treaty. It means the grandson's very old. However you say this, and we're going to meet them again, David Mel is still trying to conquer Ir Yavusi, which is Yishalayim. There's somebody still remaining. So some of us always say there was somebody still alive, they couldn't technically attack. Others say it's been a long time, and they just didn't have the system to get around to it yet. And then there's a third sheet uh, that holds that even if they're alive, if they attack us, we can make a counterattack. So why didn't they? The answer is they couldn't. We're going to find this as we start getting into Shimshin. Shimshin is the biggest chiddish and the most complex of all the kufus because he did enough damage to the plishtim, he will do enough damage to hold them sort of at bay that they don't do more damage but if you ask somebody for a snapshot, who was ruling over who at this kufa, the plishtim had more of a stranglehold on the yidden than the other way around you have to understand that in the backdrop, Shimshon was trying to create some balance of power that w- they'd be afraid to start up too much. But you'll see from the Pashup Shat in the middle of Shimshon's activities against them, they come and they just march into Yehuda. Yehuda's supposed to be the strongest shaver, and they say, Hand them over. What do you mean, hand them over? Who are you? Let me hand them over. The answer is Pashup. And they hand them over. They ask Shimshon first. And Shimshon said, Yeah, that's part of the plan. Hand me over, and then I'll, I'll get rid of some more. But they were in control of a fair amount of the area. So we're going to meet them soon. And so if they started up, we could fight back, but we weren't zeichet to get it. So the, the real answer, whichever Mahalach you take over here, is that whoever these people were, whether they replaced the police living in the Gaza Strip, they were the original descendants, we couldn't get rid of them, and it wasn't time yet, and Klai Yisrael was doing well, but not well enough to conquer the whole country. So they didn't have all the territory, and they weren't Mekayim L'Sachai Kalanashama on the side of the Plishtim were descendants of Canaan. Many hold they weren't, and then the objective would be just to get rid of them and conquer the rest of Israel to the coast. And not be Mekayim L'Sachai, if they were behaving, you could technically keep them there. Same thing, the Amalekim is no L'Sachai Kalanashama, there's something more, it's called L'Chiyas Amalek. And they shouldn't be here. They shouldn't be in our territory. And the other Amalekim were Harseyers, slightly out of our territory. This was in the middle of the country. So they weren't Mekayim, Mechias Amalek yet, that we know. David Melchus still fighting them later. And they're sitting in the middle of the country. Both issues. And the Pasuk doesn't really make a big deal out of it now. It just happens to make a note. There's a place called Har Maleki right next to his city or in the same district and that doesn't strike anybody as odd that they had part of the tribe living there, which shows you, like the Plishtim, that they were not finished yet, and that's what's causing much of the issue when you have neighbors who are doing a and it's enticing, and uh, 
and you're not making the mitzvah, and it doesn't become the small area of Eretz Yisrael, it's still not completely taken by the Yidin, who are supposed to be living separate without any of these bad influences, then these things are going to happen. So that is a, an overview on all of Shaft in the beginning of Shmuel. Why things went wrong is because it wasn't a pristine environment yet, and that's what Eretz Yisrael is supposed to be. They say, so where the uh, Akam is supposed to live? Same argument as today in terms of the geography. It's a very big world out there. Take your, uh, take your country, take your territory, take your island. Uh, it doesn't work that way. They want to be Dafka over there. Yeah. It was never, it, was, it never got to that point. It, sure, it will, yeah. In time of David and Shlomo, they get everything. Hakobako and then some. David and is way north in Syria. Shaila is with Kivish Yachid. Make Kivish. What? Zero girl. Uh, the ones that were there were keeping the Zion Mitzvah, and there's a Pasuk or two, and more than that, uh, that describe what the rights and obligations of a Ger Teshuv are, but they're allowed to live there. That's what a Ger Teshuv is. It's not a full Ger. Ger Teshuv, and he's, in a, he's a citizen, but he's behaving and not a bad Ashba. Uh, there will be, I believe, lots of love, uh, plenty of Ger Teshuv. There has to be. How do you have Amir Lakam? You say, well, need Amir Lakam. The grid's going to work, and electricity's never going to go off. Okay, maybe. <laughs> maybe we don't need. I mean, Akam. There are situations. No Akam running. It's possible. You can. Ayat Hashem Tixer. But halachically, you could have a Gert Teishuv. The problem is that example of Amir Lakam is not so pushed because the Gert Teishuv might be part of the Isser. And you can't use the Gertoshev as the Akamah. It might be in this Dereis and not in this Dorabonim. So that example might not be so, so good. So what are they doing there? So it's not for Amilakam. So that's also. So what are they doing there? There's, there's no Isser. There's no Isser. What? Chometz. Yeah, okay. That's a funny application. <laughs> to the Pasuk about Gertoshev and Chometz, and we're talking about the design of Klaes of Lassalava. And the reason they're there is for Mechiras Chometz, which didn't exist till uh, wholesale uh, schnapps. Uh, that's it's an interesting we'll see what happens but like, what are they doing there we have nothing personal they're keeping Zion Mitzvahs but why we have very little space who's going to clean the floor so I <laughs> it's, saying it's like in America you know they say we want to um, build a wall to keep uh, undesirable criminals out as opposed to the desirable criminals we want to keep <laughs> I want to keep people out. Any normal country has that. On the other hand, then they say they want uh, minimum wage workers. That's not only a Jewish thing. That's uh, every country has that issue. Jamal have plenty of workers, but things weren't. They were as close to perfect as they'll be. You look at the Rambam when he describes loss of love. He says that uh, panas is not going to be an issue, um, and everything's going to be mitzuyin, madana mitzuyin kaafar. So, Yultaina, maybe that's the Metsiyas, that yes, they're going to be hanging on to our tzitzis, they're going to want to help, they're going to want to work the economy so we can learn, and it's their schus, it is their schus, and they're going to want to do it. So, so that, that, could be, uh, that could be how it's going to happen. What? You're saying they're going to have, uh, not even a vodim, they're going to have people who are just want some chalik. Okay. That's, uh, I'm a, the Pusik says there exists a Gertesha. It's not just for them. They didn't involve. You have to help them, to support them, make sure they have a livable wage. You have to give them the Nevelas. They're, they're Psukim involved. So we'll find out hopefully soon enough. Uh, not part of the Shir now, but Amalek is not 
the Gertesha prototype. They could do tshuva according to the Rambam. The Rambam argues on that. And the Plishtim are certainly not doing that because they're always starting up, as we will see. So that is the end of Perik Yudbeis. Let's just begin the first Pasuk in Yud Gimel. And then we'll start our Hakdama in your copy of the Medrash. We have two full sets just of the Hakdama, which will be the Hakdama of the Hakdama. It'll take us a few weeks so we get an understanding of what Shimshon has in terms of a complex Avedis Hashem personally and more importantly what he's doing for Klai Yisrael and the mysterious Nefesh is going to take and the risk it has. Pasuk Aleph Perik Yigimel V'yasifu B'nei Yisrael Lasa Sarah B'nei Hashem What that means often is Avedis We'll see the Ramah, as in the Ramah Shachanach, has one of his farm, a very interesting taich in what it means over here. It doesn't necessarily mean Avodazar, it doesn't always mean Avodazar, and it doesn't always exclusively mean Avodazar. And here it doesn't, and it's going to be pretty um, shaken when you see what it is, because it, uh, it's going to ring contemporary in terms of uh, things to be fixed. I'll leave that uh, as a mysterious uh, thing to get you thinking of what it could be. But the, the Pasuk is remaining very uh, generic on it. Mm-hmm. The diak over here, is what it normally means. sort of tells you that it wasn't blatant. You couldn't walk into town, into any shul and see Averis. Most people were doing the right thing. And they were from, and they were growing, and they deserved the Yeshua of sorts. That's why Shimshon is sent. And it's coming off the Kufa of three good Shaftim who came after Yiftach, who was a very good Shaftim, a big tzaddik, just had a bit of a disastrous end because of the mistakes. But all in all, it was pretty successful. And if it says, it means, Hashem, which means there are things going on that Hashem could understand that Hashem is Bechen Levavas. So you couldn't see it with the naked eye, and it wasn't so obvious if you walked into town or walked into Shul or walked into the base Medrash. That's the important dig. So it's not just the regular Avodah Zarah. And you could say the Avodah Zarah, like by the time of Yeshua Melech, he thought it was gone, it was behind the doors. You could have that also, but that's not necessarily the intent. And Be'eni Hashem is going to be one of the Raya's that there's something deeper, that still needed to be fixed up, which is understandable, but we have to try to figure out what that was and why it's Nogeatas particularly, we'll see. Because of this, whatever it was on their Madrega, it was an Avera enough that the Plishtim were allowed to act out, so to speak, as a punishing rod which is what they're doing. They have their own Bechira. They get punished, as they will at the end of this parak, uh, pretty badly. They're going to lose the uh, segment of the population that's basically the who's who of Eris Plishtim in one shot when Shimshon dies. And that temple where they have this wild celebration, I don't want to kill the end of the story, but you know what happens at the end, so I'm just referring to Shemsh's last act does more damage to the Plishtim than he's going to do in his entire lifetime. And every single duke and general and honored citizen and 
everybody's there and they're all going to get killed. So we're not exonerating anybody. Vietnam Hashem, Biaplishim is the Ratzon Hashem. They have their Bechira, and Hashem has many possible Shlichim. The Plishtim are going to be the ones, unfortunately for them, who are going to keep coming back like a bad penny. Uh, starting from now, but it doesn't start in this Pusik. And that's the next two words. We'll get to Shaila in a minute. Biaplishtim Arbaim Shana. So Abba Mishana tells you that it didn't start then, or it tells you it's starting now and it will last for 40 years. So that's a big shayla in the Mepharshim over here. The 40 years, there are a lot of options. Some say that it started with uh, Shimshon. During Shimshon's time, they were still powerful. Hariah, they were dictating things to Shevet Yehuda, and the Shimshon held them back a little bit, but they were still in control, and ultimately they captured Shimshon. So they were a thorn, and even after Shimshon died, it says they were scared of him for 20 years, they didn't really start up in a big way, but they were there, and they were still starting up. Others say it started before, during the Tkufa of these Shaftim, right after Yiftach. Some say it started during Yiftach. And it stopped during Shimshim because Shimshim scared them enough that it's not included in these 40 years. Often we've had this number that after the whole Perik by Devarim and all the other Shaftim that Eretz Yisrael was quiet for 40 years. And we already pointed out that includes the Yemei HaShaftim, however long that was. So that's why the various Shatim over here run through possibly even Yiftach or after Yiftach with Eilin Hazvaluni and the other Shaftim Bayas. And through Shimshin, that's not a stira, that it was better when they were there, but the backdrop was that the Plishtim were causing trouble. So that's the Shiloh, 40 years is a long time. Shiloh, when it started, where it ran through, but it shows you uh, how long they had various forms of control. I'll also point out, and we mentioned this two weeks ago, if you remember the B'nai Ephraim came to complain to Yiftach way back, not too many Pesukim ago, two weeks ago, and Yiftach had a clear victory against Ammon. He won decisive victory, came back home, everything was okay on the eastern flank, Aver Hayarden. And then B'nai Ephraim comes to complain, why didn't you call us? He wanted to help, and why are you taking away our ability to help? And we're in charge of Klai Yisrael, and we have to be invited to these things then became very unpleasant is an understatement and they ended up having a mini civil war after the victory and tens of thousands of B'nai Ephraim were killed uh, he donned them as a Mary B'machus I pointed out uh, this is true but I want to show you how important a point this is 40,000 plus people were killed just in that mini civil war afterwards and Baruch Hashem, there were a lot of Yidin, and they were growing, and they were basically doing the right thing, and they had tremendous bracha in Eretz Yisrael all the time, despite the problems. But B'nai Ephraim are in the center of the country. So you have the map over here, which I didn't bring, and you have the B'nai Ephraim in the middle, you have the Avar Yardain, where Yiftel just fought a battle and got rid of Ammon, who's even further east. But the middle of the country, you have, to the west, the Gaza Strip and the Plishtim. So according to the Mepharshim, that the police already acted up then, the 40 years include that. So you think for a moment, if B'nai Ephraim is coming to complain, why don't you call us and the battle's over now and it's too late, and you didn't call us and we're very upset and we're very insulted. Why didn't Yiftach tell them, Rabbi Sai, I fought the war over here against B'nai Ammon. You got the other half of the enemy over there on the Gaza Strip. Why don't you take care of them? There's plenty to do. A big kavod. He didn't say that. Pastor, he didn't say it. 
because it wasn't no gap. At this point, the Plishtim weren't starting up, or with the Plishtim so much mightier and scarier that that wasn't the Havamina. You're 40,000 strong. There were more than that. Just 40,000 got killed. Boy, 2,000. Why don't he send them over there? It doesn't sound like... I mentioned that. I'm asking more of Akasha because if you look back at the Pesukim over there, the Pesukim say Beferish, that at that time the Plishtim and B'nai Amun started up and they were sent as a punishment for Klai Yisrael. It says that by Yifta. So that just begs the Kasha. I'm trying to say the Plishtim weren't active. That's why he didn't send B'nai Ephraim. The Pusik says they were both sent and then all it talks about is the Mocham against B'nai Amun, which Yifta won and got rid of them and they never started up again. We don't know what happened to the Plishtim. So does the Pusik mean that the Plishtim were sent and they started it, but it wasn't such a menace that Ephraim is going to go fight a war against them? Or they're not going to go fight a war because they weren't strong enough? And they were a menace and it started and it grew and it grew and it grew and it got very, very difficult and then Shimshon came and started making some sort of version. So they're there. The question is to what extent? And they had autonomy in the whole Gaza Strip. They had their five major cities, which the Pasuk always mentions. And they were strong. The question is how strong, how much of a menace, and how much damage were they doing at which Tkufus? That's a short overview on the Plishtim, just very ironic. Uh, the Plishtim are around for safer shaped in the beginning of Shmuel more than any other enemy in terms of duration. Uh, in terms of strength, they won a war where they stole the Aaron. They paid dearly for it and they gave it back because it wasn't worth it for them. But that puts them certainly on a pedestal in terms of enemies that we dealt with. Uh, more, we've had a lot of them. We've had Amman and Mayav and the Amalekim is still here. The Plishtim are going to take a very large role from here on in, and they were around before. The question is, how much before they were living there a long time were they doing damage? It's just ironic that the English name became Palestine, as that's after the Plishtim, and then they got Palestinians uh, that are the Plishtim, and they're not necessarily the Yetze Yerach of the Plishtim, they're probably Arabs, uh, Yishmal, but just ironic that that's, because this, they always had a sizable chunk, David and Melech will eventually conquer the Gaza Strip, and it's part of the greater Yetze Israel, but this was a long holdout, so in case People get nervous, like, why don't we just go in there? It's been done before, and this has been a problem before, and this is not new. That's just a sense of history of what's going on in Israel. Yes? Just on the deep of the Inei Hashem, when I, when I heard the deep, it didn't sound that it's something that I didn't hear before, but I'm looking over here, the three occurs. Yeah, yeah, we have so ben, and Ben Hashem always means that. Ben Hashem means Ben Ben Adam. You couldn't see it that clearly. So it's always going to mean that. That speaks well for Klai Yisrael. Because it says all over. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's not the first time we had it, but I'm just point. It doesn't appear every time. Sometimes it was more obvious, but whenever it does appear, it means it's still a problem. The Plishtim came, and as I just. Described, they were a potent force and they were capable of doing damage. They did damage. But we still have to figure out what was the Avera. Avadazar usually is the culprit, but as we'll see in Agdama from the Mirtam Elio, despite the natural Yetzirah for Avadazar, which we don't understand, but we have been made to understand it's comparable to any Yetzirah that's still around today, and we're just taken away and 
requested by Anshu Gatzadela that it be shechted, so we don't have it today. But even in its prime, the Gemara says that Klaisar really got into Avarazara Tamatar Arias, which is important Gemara to remember. It was Tamatar other Taivas. Even when the Yetzar of Avarazara existed, we still weren't into it because it doesn't make sense. And Klaisar Maminim Bnei Maminim, and they don't, they don't believe in the one only Akharish Baruchu. And they only got into it because it gave them a license to say, well, we're part of this sect uh, that believes in this, and, and that Avodah allows it. It was a key to open up other Averis. In Mitzrayim or the Mitzrayim? They certainly, no. The good news is no. They were only, the only one example of anybody who got into trouble was a lady from Shevet Dunn as I alluded to yesterday, that's going to be part of our Dhamma for Shimshin. Uh, she wasn't directly related, but he's some Dan, and the good news is Arias was Kemat, uh, a perfect record. Yeah, so they, there, they just, Mitzrayim was so full of the Avodah premiered the whole atmosphere, that they ended up getting into it somewhat, but later on, after Kabbalah Satayr, after Anachi Hashem, and Loyia. Klai Yisrael, by nature, was very uh, monotheistic in terms of holding true to what they really believed. And then they, and they went to the Ashkama Minyan, and then afterwards they did things. The question is, why did they get involved? It's either because there's a natural Yitzhak, which you don't understand, because it doesn't exist today. Or, you could say, and slash, or it was Tamater, other things as well, which Chazal say was a great part of it which is sort of a lima tzchus, uh, like how would Klai saw they're so smart? How would they get involved in these things? The answer is they really didn't hold of it that much. Yeah, Mitzrayim, but it was not to Matare. It was just to, and they weren't interested, Baruch Hashem, and they were working very hard and getting killed and whipped, and they, they just did it because everybody else is doing it, and they figured, okay, let's, maybe it'll help us get out of this mess, and we'll just... But it's a question what it means over there, how... How deep they were into it. Okay, it's Memtesh Tuma for a reason, and, and it was not Baruch Hashem, Arise. And we know that, because Shlomo's Divri was the only one who got in, and that was an Inus. She wasn't even booking Beferish to get into that. And we're going we're gonna to come back to that. That's not, a, that's not a side point. So, again, the Diak, the Asif of Nesar, Lass, the Rabbi, and Hashem, Vidim Hashem, Biaplishtim, Abraham Shana. The Mepharshim would say it started now, went through Shimshin, after Shimshin, or started before, but now it's going to get worse. Uh, yes. That's the Shaila. Some Mepharshim say that the area they were living in, the, the Gaza Strip, was the same area, and some say they were replaced. It's a big Mavucha who they were, because there's so many Pesukim going back further. So, like Parshas Nayach. Ali Melech, Parshas Nayach, who was. Who was the original, and uh, did they replace them? A lot of people moved around when they conquered lands. They were always fighting, and they were always taking over in the Kenya Muhammad, which we spoke at length about. So it's not clear if they were the originals. There are many Mepharshim that hold and keep repeating that, yes, this is still from the original from Abimelech, and they had the treaty still, and this is a very, very old grandson. But there are others who don't hold to that because he would be extremely old, and the fact that they're an Eris Plishtim doesn't mean they're the natural Plishtim. But this person maybe would say not like that because Kikar of Kiyoma Alekim, Penny of Horizon Homeshem and Soyma, if it was because of the treaty, that's not what it says in the Pussy. It says in the Pussy for different reasons. It says in the Pussy that they might get scared because they might think that they're going to be attacked. 
and they can't go in, which could happen because the treaty, they might say, you're not coming over here. And they say, oh, it's the quickest route. Can we just come through and we'll buy Coke and maybe uh, my friends the whole country? That's happened before, like this last week's Parsha. And they're going to start a whole war. And these were slaves who were just slaves who were nervous about it. But yes, the, uh, the, the Machlekes repeats itself much over Tanakh. Okay, so that is Pasik Aleph, the introduction which we're not going to have a lot of time for right now. Let's just see Pasik Beis, and we'll see a little bit of the Medjavi. So as we had by Yiftach for a few months, I mentioned at the beginning of the year. We just walked in that we're going to be spending time on the Hagdama, reading enough psukim just to be able to start the medrash. But the basic storyline, so to speak, is familiar to many people. So if I say something that assumes that uh, there's some idea that's not obviously asked, let's take a look at page one of the medrash in front of you. It's the medrash Rabbah in the midbar. First thing we're going to do is figure out where this was and who this was, who was Manayach. Manayach is a tzaddik. We'll see the level of tzitkus. We'll see and eventually explain what the comment in Chazal is, that he was an Amaretz. Amaretz over here obviously means a relative Amaretz. Top line on page one in the Medrash. Ritzara Haisa Ladan. This city was in Nachlas Dan. We need to remind you what we said here in Shir about eight months ago as we were talking about the Gaza Strip and what's part of Eitz and what the Gulam are. The expression Midan Vad Be'er confuses people because Dan Vad Be'er sounds like north to south. He describes it in the Midan Vad Be'er So where is Dan? Where was the Nachla? So some say it must be north. Be'er is down south. You have... Uh, Achashver is ruling over the whole world, and the same Achleg is Rav and Shmuel. Kush, you expect them to be in the polar opposite ends of the world, and that's one mandam. The other mandam says, no, they're next to each other, and just like he was Shailud and Hud. Shailud, does that mean they're next to each other over here? We have clear psukim, which will come later by Pesel Micha, that there was a chelik of Dan that went up north and conquered the area. They took Pesel Micha with them, unfortunately. And there was an Achala for Dan that became an Achala for Dan, but they needed more room way up north. The regular Achala for Dan beginning was in the middle of the country, right next to Yehuda, in the center of the country. So they had to figure out why it say Dan Va Sheva. It's not the middle of the country to the bottom. So you have to plug it into those other Mahalchim. But this clearly, the Major says, this city of Tsara was part of Dan. It was right next to Yehuda. And this is bordering this actual city. Half of it was in Dan, half of it was in Yehuda. Didn't seem to bother everybody or anybody. Say, why would they make an Achla and build a nice city or even a large village with the line running through? Did you ever go to Chestnut Ridge? But, or pick your neighborhood. It's New York and New Jersey. Why don't they build walls so we don't let anybody from New Jersey in? Baruch Hashem, the answer is we don't have to. And there are counties you can drive from Wesley Hills to Suffern and not even get stopped by somebody for your credentials and ID. That's good. The fact that you have a city running through, this is Klai Yisrael. 
and Kaisal get along, and you're in the same, uh, we have shuls, we're sitting here now, you, there are probably people here from Shevet Yehuda and Binyamin, and we're all sitting here in peace and harmony, probably have some Kainim in here also, and you don't need a wall in the middle of the city, so it's not a kasha, why is there a city with a border running through, they probably didn't even mark it, I guess they had to mark it somewhat, because you got to know which family it belongs to, there's a farm here, it's got to end, this city was right there in the middle, and because of that, there was a fair amount of intermarriage, that's a positive word over here, between Yehuda and Dun. Sadiq, you were asking yesterday about the Isser to marry between the Shvatim, right? We were discussing that? So that lasted, that was the original day when they came in, just the dust should settle, and everybody should know the Nachla, they didn't want a lady getting married, then going to the husband, then Tibu Jarsh and the fields to move. We wanted everybody to know the Nachla. That lasted a few generations. The Gemara says that Tuba'av, one of the reasons we had a Simcha, is because that's when they officially matted the Shvatim to marry into each other. So they was trying to explain, we were discussing yesterday about where you should live, what the fallback position is by the wife or by the husband. So the Medrash here is going to describe the fact that Manoach was from Don, is married to Eitzadekis from Yehuda, and Manoach's parents, his father was from Don, and his mother was from Yehuda. Not surprising even if they were far apart geographically here, really not surprising because this city was on the border between Yehuda and Don. That's important, and it's important not just for the geography, obviously, this family, it was obviously a leading family in Klai Yisrael, and they're going to have Shimshon, there had to be Kechus from Yehuda and from Dan. And if you start thinking about it, you'll know where we'll be going with this. It's not the first time there was a partnership with Yehuda and Dan. Uh, we find in the, there are many examples, but Betzalel, uh, was assigned to be the leader of the project of building the Mishkan, and his assistant was from Dun to bring these two kleches together. So you learn that Rashi over there, and you say, okay, because Yehuda was the leading shevet, and Dun was the all Shateka was the least of them, and therefore we want to show we're taking from the top, we're taking from there, and everybody's included. Obviously, everybody was extremely talented in that project, so to speak, of building the Mishkan. But there's a lot going on, and this is the first remez. It sounds like geography. Oh, they happened to be, so the Shvatim married in. That was by design from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like everything else. We're building the uh, couple, the husband and wife, the Sati and the Sadekis, who are going to have Shimshon, who um, was almost the Mashiach, and is going to start saving Klai Yisrael. That's why we're building this from the bottom. hadani. And that's why the Pasuk has to say, if he's from a city deep into Dun territory, so obviously he's from Dun. The answer is because this village itself had part of Yehuda there, and he himself was from a marriage where one was from Yehuda, obviously his father was from Dun. So already the Daishan in the Psukim Ebrachis, which we're going to go into a lot because the entire of all the brachas in Parshas Vayachi, the entire bracha for Sheva Dan talks about Shemshin and nothing else for the whole Sheva for Deri Deris. We don't have anything, everything else. We talk about the Midah of Yehuda and leadership and Levi. It talks about the rest of Klai Yisrael. It doesn't, here it's focusing on Shemshin 
which tells you a lot about who Shimshin will be and what the ruler and nachal of the, of the Shevet is. And already we're putting the two together, that they had the kaychus of the best and most qualified of the shvatim, that's Yehuda. Himself, so the fact his mother was from Yehuda, his father was from Dan, his wife, the Rebetzin, Eishas Manayach is from Yehuda as well. And in this city, you could just go across the street and have Shavar Brochus by the other family. And it wasn't difficult. Nimsa Shimshon Ba Mishavet Dan, Mishavet Yehuda, Shekach Amru, Imad Shimshon, Atzal Faini, we'll discuss that name later, where that comes from, that's Eishas Manayach. Shema v'himi yucheses al shev Yehuda shenem ar shem achaisam hatzal al pani u'shemay manayach and then we introduce him. His name was Manayach. The Medrash is going to go on to say, and we'll leave off on this. Harishaim kaidim l'shemam. When it talks about tzaddikim, it says u'shemay manayach a tzaddik. The Rishaim is the opposite. Harishaim kaidim l'shemam. Page two. Noval shemay. Says the name first, Golya Shemai. Speaking of Plishtim, Sheva Ben Bichri Shemai. It's interesting, he's on the list. He rebelled against David Melech. So, the Biskarov says he wasn't just a troublemaker, he was an apicarius. So, interesting, he's on the list. Aval Tadikim Shman Kaidmam Shemai Alkana, Shemai Yishai, Shemai Bayaz, Shemai Mardachai, Shemai Manayach. And that's Diamond Labaran. We will not explain now, it's about a time. What's the panemius of this shot that Golya Shemoy, the Russia, has his name first, then it says Shemoy, and the Tzaddik is the other way around. Where does that come from? How do you explain that? Which we will, in due time, explain. The Medrash goes on to have some kashas on certain Rishoyim who have it the other way around, and they have to find out a Taishim what the name is. But for an introduction of an introduction, we'll. Uh, Start with this. It's a sham in uh, two weeks where we'll continue the share. Look out for the emails.